In today's video, I'm going to give five aspects of the gospel, and I'm going to try to address some popular objections and misunderstandings about the gospel. So before I really get into it, I'm just going to read this passage because I think this uh, this uh, couple of sentences, these couple of verses in Romans chapter 3 is the best depiction of the gospel that we see. It's just it's very... Uh, um, it's very well put together and it's concise. This is Romans 3, starting in verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. But it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. That was all one sentence, by the way. <laughs> We're going to break this down here in just a second. Let me continue. This is uh, the second part of verse 25. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished for the demonstration that is of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When you read the passage that I was just talking about, in verse 23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that means every single person. So the worst individual you could possibly think of to the best, greatest Mother Teresa or whoever you want to pick, including myself, every single other person, we are all sinners, every single person. And then if you go look at, uh, go read verses, uh, this is still Romans chapter three, read verses 10 through 18. And it talks about how no one is righteous, not even one. No one is good. No one understands. No one seeks God. You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of good quote people in hell. Okay. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that think, oh, well, you know what? I'm a good person. I'm not so bad. And, and in reality, you know, when we reflect on ourselves, we see this isn't so good. I'm going to give two examples of how we are all sinners and how even just the one sin is bad enough to mess it all up. Imagine if there was a man who was on trial for murder, okay? And he comes out and he, he admits it. He says, yes. I killed someone, but it was only one person out of the 7 billion people on this planet. It was only like 0.00001% of the population. I'm just throwing out a number there. Uh, but you get the, you get the point. Nobody's going to be like, oh yeah, you know what? You're right. You've only killed, you know, a very small fraction of the people on this planet. So therefore you're okay. Let me give another example of this, which I think honestly even uh, makes us understand this a little bit better. Let's imagine that you've been outside, you've been running, you've been running track, you're sweating, you're hot, you're thirsty. And I come to you and I bring this nice cold bottle of water and, you know, open it for you, hand it to you. You're going to take it. You're going to be like, oh, thank you so much. You might even pour some on your head, right? But if I were to alter that water bottle just a little bit and I were to say, take just a little bit of dog poop, okay, or, or whatever, just any sort of nasty thing, just a little bit, not like a whole thing, 
just a tiny little pinch, and I were to put it in that water bottle, most people aren't going to drink that bottle of water anymore unless they are absolutely dying of thirst. Even just the littlest bit of sin messes up our entire body. It messes up everything who we are. So when we're made righteous by God, notice I said made righteous, because any righteousness that comes from us, so like when we try to do good, it's just self-righteousness, and it's never good enough. But when we do God's righteousness, and we are made right, we receive this salvation. We didn't earn it. We didn't earn righteousness, but God just made it so. And I'll talk about that here in just a little bit in my final thoughts. God sees us as righteous, but that doesn't mean that we don't sin. Now let's continue on. Let's look at grace. And you look at verse 24. I love how Paul writes this out. He says, being justified as a gift. Now I'm going to change this a little bit just to make it, it's almost like an addition problem, uh, or it's, it's, it's an equals problem. We're justified as a gift, which is his grace, through redemption, which is Jesus. That is our grace. So it's a gift, which is his grace, which is the redemption, who is Christ. That is what we are given. And this grace is unmerited favor. It's something that we do not deserve. Like I was talking about with the bottle of water before. You know, uh, I, I love that verse in scripture where, where Paul says, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or in, in uh, another verse, it'll say Christ died for the ungodly. He doesn't wait until you're, you're good and cleaned up and ready to go. No. A really big mistake that people make is they don't, they don't feel good enough for God. There, there's usually two camps on this. You have the people that they feel like they do a pretty good job. You know, they don't get in any trouble. They feel like they're doing pretty good, so they don't need God, okay? Then you got the other side, which is just, I am an awful person. I do all these terrible things, and I really hate myself. How could God forgive me? I need to clean up my act first. No, that's not how this works, okay? God is going to make a new creation in you when, 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 you, when you receive Christ. Understand that when we receive God's grace— we can't do anything to earn it. Nothing, not one thing. We are not good enough. Essentially, it boils down to this. If you believe God's promise of forgiveness, you'll be saved. That, that is salvation. Now, there's another step. There's another part to this that a lot of people leave out, okay? Yes, this means that, well, I could do whatever I want and still be saved. Yeah, kind of. So if you read a little bit further further back, Romans 3, I believe it's verses 7 or verse 8. And, and basically, Paul says that if you have that attitude of, oh, God, I'll just forgive me anyway, or I can go do whatever I want, he says, your condemnation is justified, which means uh, you don't seem to be really saved. Now, has anybody ever had those thoughts? Yes, I've had those thoughts. Okay, repent from them, move away, and don't do it again. Uh, it doesn't mean, oh, oh, shoot, I've done it once, I'm done, I guess I'm out of here. Let me give a point of clarification. As a result of faith, you will repent of your sins. And repent means to turn away. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Now, really quick, some people are under the impression, okay, I can lose my salvation. This makes sense in man's world because 
guess what? If I do bad enough, well, you know, I should, I should get punished for it, you know? And, and, and there's discipline in, in, in Christianity. Don't get me wrong on that, but you are forgiven of every single sin. And if you cannot, if there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation, then logically there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. Now that's just a logical argument for not being able to lose your salvation, but there are several scriptures that back that up as well. Uh, look at uh, Hebrews 4, where uh, the writer of Hebrews essentially says that if you could lose your salvation, you could never get it back. Most of the people that believe that you can lose your salvation think that you can get it back. Uh, so go read Romans 4 for that. Essentially, when you are saved and God gives you this grace, he is no longer wrathful towards you. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more here in just a minute. But first, let's talk about a really, really big issue. Repentance. This is something that we do not do well enough at as Christians. So repentance just means to turn from sin and turn towards God. Now, there is an initial repentance that we have, and then there's a continual repentance that we, that we must practice. So the, the first repentance is that where you receive salvation, where you basically you're saved. It's like, okay, Lord, I am going to live. I want to live my life for you, and I don't want to live my life for myself. Now, you're still going to make bad choices. You're still going to sin on purpose. And, you know, I hate the phrase, everybody makes mistakes. Yes, that's true. You also sin on purpose. In general, you are choosing God over yourself. Now, let's talk about continual repentance. This is something that we need to reflect every single day. We should always be looking into ourselves and saying, all right, Lord, what have I done today that was sinful? Let me confess that sin and let me turn away from that sin. This is actually something that I'm doing with my kids now. Uh, I uh, was listening to somebody else's podcast and they had mentioned it of doing it with their children where when they do their devotions at night, uh, they actually have a time of repentance. So the last couple of nights, my wife and I have, we've repented in front of our children of something, you know, we don't tell them everything obviously, but you know, we do come up with something and we try to teach them to do the same and say, Hey, listen, examine yourself throughout the day. Have you lied at all today? Try to pay attention to just even the small things. Did you have a bad thought today? Let's repent of those sins. Look, we are sinful people, okay? There's, there's no doubting that. Even as a believer, even as a pastor or whatever, I don't, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you are still going to sin. You are still going to struggle. And that's just part of our walk with Christ. No, there should be no Christian out there that is self-righteous. They're like, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm a pretty good Christian. If you ask me, <laughs> no, uh, none of us are. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, none of us are good. Now here's the good part about this. Even when we fail and we are unfaithful to God, God is always faithful to us no matter what. Now, a lot of people, there are, there's the prosperity gospel. Basically, if bad things are happening in your life, it's because you're not spending enough time with God, or you're not donating to the right church or something like that. Or if, you know, your life is going really well, then you must have a great relationship with God. Absolutely not. And I'm just going to, one word to just uh, demote the entire prosperity gospel, Paul. 
Done. Argument over. <laughs> Go read his life. He, he's like, consider it all joy, my brother. And he's like, I'm in jail, by the way. You know, <laughs> uh, like Paul is not. I mean, Paul suffered. Uh, and, and, and he's like one of the leaders, forefathers of the church. So if Paul suffered, pretty sure you and I are going to suffer. So just because something's bad going on in your life or you see something bad going in other people's lives or it's, it's just not going ideal, you know, everything's not hunky-dory, well, don't assume that God's just given up on that person because that is far from the truth. Even when we fail, God is faithful to us. It is absolutely amazing how God continues to pursue and pursue and pursue. Look at Peter. Peter, uh, Jesus tells Peter, hey, you're, tonight you're going to deny me three times. He said, no, I'm not. There ain't no way. And, you know, and some people give Peter a hard time, but honestly, I, I'm pretty sure I would have said, no way. I, I would not deny you, Lord. It's, it's interesting what happens when we come under certain circumstances. The gospel doesn't mean that if you follow Jesus, then you're going to get stuff and you won't suffer. If bad, if bad things are happening in your life, it doesn't necessarily correlate with a relationship with Jesus. So that's repentance. Turn from your sin. All right, the next one. Earlier when we were talking about grace, I talked about how God gives us a gift, which is his grace through the redemption, which is Jesus. And in the next sentence, it says, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. Now, some people don't like this word uh, because it's a big word. It's like, what does that mean? So let me just give it kind of an explanation. So you have sacrifices in the Bible. The sacrifices that are, are mentioned in Leviticus where they would, you know, kill a goat or a bull or whatever. And basically it, it paid their debt, but it was something that had to do all the time, over and over and over and over again, every single time they sin. All old, old sacrifices paid for sin, but it didn't stop the wrath of God. And we actually see this in Hebrews 10, I believe, verse 4. And basically it says the blood of goats and bulls can not save people is essentially what it says. One more thing on the sacrifices of the Old Testament. They were done by the person who sinned. Now, this is what's interesting about a propitiation. A propitiation pays the debt and satisfies the wrath of God. And here's the big difference. A propitiatory sacrifice comes from the one who was sinned against, which is God, not us. I think that is so cool and so beautiful. And that's what we see, which leads us to the Passover. Interestingly enough, there is uh, another, um, you know, everybody knows about the Passover. I'm sure you guys have heard of it from Exodus. What you probably haven't heard of is Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. This is the day that they would make sacrifices to the Lord and whatnot. And oddly enough, Jesus didn't die on Yom Kippur. He died on Passover. Let me make something clear. Every single one of us deserves damnation to be condemned to hell forever. Honestly, you want to talk about fair? You know, a lot of people say, well, that's not very fair. Listen, if God were to be fair then he would have destroyed everyone. If God were to be just, <laughs> uh, 
he would have destroyed everyone. But God sent a propitiation, which is Jesus, to take all of that sin and to cover it all. Christ's resurrection makes it eternal. Without the resurrection of Christ, there is nothing. Hey, guys, let me tell you something. There, there's a lot of things in the Bible that's like, oh, hey, if that turned out not to be true, that's not, that's not too big of a deal, you know? If, if it were proven that the resurrection didn't happen, our faith would be in vain. I'm not saying that. Paul is saying that. In 1 Corinthians 15, that's where we actually see this, where if there's no resurrection, then our faith is in vain. I love that God uses Passover because he passes over our sin through his atonement, not ours. It's him that gives, not us. Now, a lot of people... And we can do this in another video another day, but a lot of people will say, well, how could a loving God allow evil? Here's the question that we should be asking. How could God stand being a perfect being? How could he stand to forgive people who are against him from the start and who hate God? How could God do that? That's unbelievable to me. That's why the gospel is so hard to believe is because it's that we believe that God actually does forgive us and throws, casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. God's forgiveness does not make sense to us. It does not make sense in our human minds because we have not atoned for our sin by saying, Lord, I believe you. You're right. We have it. And I'll get to that in just a minute. Jesus sets us free, not because of faith, but through faith. Because of grace, we are saved, and then through faith. So here's kind of a, an analogy. Uh, you know, with any analogy, if you take it too far, it's 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 not it's not always going to compare right, um, and, that, and that could be a fallacy. But uh, for this instance, I, I think it's a decent analogy. Faith is the syringe, and grace is the vaccine. So let's keep this analogy for a second. I cannot make the vaccine. I, I don't have the ability to. And then I also can't administer the vaccine. Now, again, people can take the, oh, I could steal the vaccine or what? Okay, stop. <laughs> Just stop. You're, you're taking it too far. Uh, I can only allow someone to administer the vaccine and basically say, Yes, you can do that. <laughs> um, and, and that's what we see in our gospel. Now, I want to give a couple of final thoughts on this. So some people, and I mentioned this earlier, they'll say, oh, well, I can do whatever I want and still be saved. Again, look at Romans 3, verse 8. Uh, if you have this attitude, your condemnation is justified. Repent from this, move away from it, and don't do it again. And that's the same thing with the, oh, well, God will just forgive me anyway. Second thing righteousness. So Christians, this is really cool. Christians are willed to righteousness, not earned. In Romans 4, 17, Paul actually says, God takes that which does not exist and calls it into being. He brings the dead to life. Okay. And he's talking about this in the context of salvation because he's talking about Abraham and how he believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Our righteousness has nothing to do with our faith. It has everything to do with God making it so. As God said, let there be light. He says, let you be righteous. It's like that. That's how God wills it. We still sin. 
That's not pride. If anything, this is humbling. Don't ever hear a Christian go, I'm so righteous. You know, if they do, it just be like, uh, knock them on the head. Uh, usually Christians, if, if you really are studying the word and you're really reflecting on yourself, you realize how awful of a sinner that you are. You don't have to worry about everybody else's sin. This is a gift that we received from God. And let me explain something. One last thing about salvation and a lot of people don't understand this. Salvation is nothing other than a miracle of God. He raises the dead to life. Thanks, guys.